I've discovered over the past couple of months when I've been up here that I haven't told anybody who I am, <laughs> especially for those online. I'm Bill. I'm one of the elders here, and I'll be bringing the message today. Somebody didn't know. Uh, turn with me in your Bibles, if uh, you have them, or your electronic devices to Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to begin in verse 8, and we're in what they call the faith chapter. And we talked a little bit about faith last week while you're getting there. Uh, hope and faith. We have hope because there's something that we're missing in our lives. We have hope that something is better. We have hope that someone is better. And the world doesn't know what that hope is. And so the world is essentially living without hope. But we, the church, know who we hope in and that hope leads to faith, and that faith leads to everything. We talked a little bit last week about Abel and Cain, and a little bit about Enoch, and a little bit about Noah. And we're going to go to the faith of the patriarchs of the, of the Bible. So in verse 8, is everybody there? Say amen. amen. And remember what I said last week when I say, by faith, think to yourself, by faith in God. Not faith in something else, not faith in, in man, not faith in your money, not faith in your job, not faith in your kids. Faith in? All right. Somebody's listening. Hallelujah. By faith in God, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith in God. He went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. So by faith, Abraham, Father Abraham, we've all heard of him, we don't know him, uh, lived and died a long time ago. And he was considered one of the faithful. God accepted him for his faithfulness. And it started when God said, Abraham. You and yours, get up and get out and go to this land. I'm going to show you because it's promised to you. And so they went. He just loaded up his family and, and he went out, not knowing exactly where he was going, but by faith he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob. He was camping out. Didn't build a house, but he's in the land that God had promised his people. And that land we know today as Israel. He just left everything. He left his friends. He left his family. He left his business. He took just his immediate family. And on faith, stepped out and went. Now, I don't know about y'all, but God doesn't say to me, he says, Bill, go therefore and do such and such. God doesn't speak to me that way. But in the olden times, you know, God spoke to people differently, I suppose. Um, the way God speaks to me is, is in thoughts that are not my own. How do I know that? So glad you asked. If it's a noble thought, if it's a good thought, if it's a selfless thought, there's a really good chance that it's not for me naturally. Because by nature, I'm selfish and self-centered. And, you know, what about me? And I know you guys are way too spiritual for that sort of thing, but... I'm just being honest up here. Now, if some of you might have some of that feelings like I do, 
One of the things a preacher taught me a long time ago, and it's really helped me a lot in my faith journey. And what he said to me when I would complain about the way life is going, he'd said, Bill, it's not about you. Naturally, I was shocked. Because I'm all I think about. But I'm trying to do better because I read about people like Abraham. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him to the throne. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Look in for the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Does that sound familiar about someplace else in the scripture? Like maybe towards the end in Revelations? Where God's going to build a new Jerusalem and even measures it out for all of us? Isaiah 46.10 says, I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done. From the beginning of time, God has declared how it's going to end. See, what's one of the obstacles to our faith? For me and for most people I know, it's a fear of the future. It's a fear of the unknown. Because we get up and we don't know, you know, what's going to happen later in the day. We have, we, tomorrow morning's Monday. We get up and we go to work. We don't know what has unfolded over the weekend. We don't know if the boss is mad at us. We don't know if the car is going to start. We don't know a lot of stuff. And when we don't know things, we get a little bit nervous, do we not? When we don't know what the future holds, we're anxious. When we, and what we try to do is we try to build up scenarios in our head. Like the night before, has anybody done this? Okay, when I get up in the morning, i got to do this, I'm going to do that, and I'm going to get to the office, and I'm going to see so-and-so. And if he says this, I'm going to say that. And if they get mad at me about this, I'm going to tell them that. Anybody done that? Anybody did the prophecy thing before you went to bed? We all do. And how many times have we gotten there and nothing happened? That we had a terrible night's sleep. What if, what if we don't try to prophesy what we don't know? But what if we trust in something that we do know? Do we believe in God? We believe he's all-powerful. Do we believe he knows us better than we know ourselves? Do we trust him? So why don't we? So what I propose, and I've said this before, is before you go to bed, say, okay, God, I've got this meeting tomorrow, and I'm going to probably meet so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so, and and you know how I do. How's this for a prayer? You know me, God. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to surrender this to you and know that you're going to take care of it. I ask that you give me the wisdom to walk through whatever situation I have to to face tomorrow, that that you show me what to say, what, what to do, where to go. And trust him. See, we're too caught up in helping God. I was in a fellowship once, and when somebody would say something really cool, you know, at the end of it, of the speaker, the guys would say, all right, everybody give God a hand. God don't need a hand. He's the one that does it. We need a hand. We need the help. We need all the help we can get. But we have a fear. What if, here's, here's my fear. What if he doesn't? What if I ask him? And what if he doesn't do what I want him to do? 
That's our prayer, isn't it? God, I want you to heal this. God, I want you to bless that. And what if he doesn't? God, what if I want to get this promotion? I want to get this, this raise. I want my kids to behave. And what if they don't? So do we quit trusting God? But what if we prayed, God, your will is perfect, and I don't know what it is all the time. Please show me how to pray. Show me what to pray for, and your will be done, and I surrender my will to your will. What if we did that? If we did that, that is the way we exercise the muscle of our faith. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. Sarah's Abraham's wife. He was over 100. She was way on up there herself. And God says, we're going to make descendants as many as the sand on the, on the beaches and the stars in the sky. 100 years old. Sure. But they believed it. They weren't saying, sure, God. They said, sure, God. You got the power. You, you got it all. I trust you. See, we have an issue with trust. And the reason we have an issue with trust is because very few people are trustworthy. The reason I have an issue with trust is because there was a good long period of my life where the truth and, and what I said rarely collided in the same sentence. I had trouble with the truth. And so some 16 years ago, and many of y'all heard this part of the story, I made a decision, no more lies except for a few random stretchers just for fun. <laughs> no lies to get me out of trouble or, to, or for anything. And, and it took a while because when somebody, particularly my wife, would ask me something, I would pause before I answered. And the reason I would pause, you know, most people think he's thinking up a lie. I was trying to figure out the truth before I spoke. Because it was a challenge for me. The lie, you know, when, when you're living with the devil, it, the lie comes like that. And I didn't want to do that anymore. So I said, if I pause a very long time before speaking, it's because I'm trying to discern what the truth is. And over a period of time, that became a habit. And now you can ask some of the people that, that are in, with me in meetings. Sometimes I speak the truth a little bit too brutally, don't I? And so now I'm working on that. Because sometimes the truth hurts. But, you know, I'm a, I'm a rip the band-aid off quick sort of guy. Don't, don't just ooch it off. You know, rip it off. And it may be better, maybe worse. I don't know. Uh, verse 12. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead. That's Abraham. We're born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised. Okay, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, what were the things promised? It was back there before. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. The city built by Jesus. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the ones after him, they were looking towards Jesus. They had faith that this Messiah was coming to reconcile us with God. Our sin had separated us to the point 
where we were irredeemable. And there were a few, and they're talked about here, these heroes of the faith is what a lot of people call them, uh, that exercise that's great and tremendous, all surrendered faith in God, that God said, you got this. You got this. And they, he showed them Jesus in the future. See, we in the Western civilization, we don't have the vision to see past our next meal, our next paycheck, our next hospital visit, you know, fill in the blank. We're, we're so caught up in, and what am I going to do tomorrow, next week, next year? And we don't take any time to ask God what he's got for us tomorrow, next week, next year. What has God got for you today? Jesus even said that. Why are you worrying about tomorrow? Today's got enough troubles. Doesn't it? Why am I going to bring some more of that trouble on me later? Why am I going to let trouble live rent-free in my head when I've got enough trouble right now? Every Sunday I come in here, and, and people I know pretty well, how was your week? And I always say my week's great. Does that mean that nothing bad happened to me all week? Heck no. I get stuff happen to me every single day. But the difference is, it, I got past it and I'm not living in it anymore. It's old news. It's yesterday's newspaper. It's at the bottom of the birdcage. And I focus on the blessings, or I try to. And I honestly don't remember. I would have to sit down and think and go day by day through every day of last week in my brain if you know, whatever what happened that did not suit me, whatever didn't go my way, whatever angered me, whatever aggravated me. But I think more about the blessings. And in doing that, when y'all asked me on Sunday morning, hey, how was your week? I said, it was good. Because it really was. Because overall, God has more good things for me than the enemy has bad things. I can trust God to get me through my day. And I know the devil's going to try to trip me up, but I don't care about him. I don't trust him. I trust God to get me through. How do you develop this faith in God? You, you look at what these heroes of the faith have done. I mean, they're believing stuff. Abraham, over 100, and Sarah, you know, crowding it pretty good, saying, you're going to have a baby. You're going to have descendants like crazy. Yeah, sure, God. That's what we say. Abraham said, let's go. Let's get it. Do I need to pack anything? What can I bring? Verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. Having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. What does that mean? It means they're a stranger in a strange land and so are we. We are spiritual beings on a physical journey. We should ask God for the vision to open our eyes to see his kingdom being done here on earth in us and around us. Because we see where God is working, but sometimes not till much later. Some famous philosopher, I don't know his name, it's Dutch or something. You can't, nobody can speak Dutch. Uh, said that life can only be understood looking backwards, but it can only be lived going forward. See, we all got 20-20 hindsight, right? We all got the I coulda, woulda, shouldas sometimes. 
Oh, I could have done that. I should have done that. I would have done that if I had known. If I had known. And so it hurts our faith because we don't look forward. We can't look forward based on the world's philosophy and the world's rationale and the world's logic. And that's what the world is trying to push on us, our children, our grandchildren, is logic and rationality and science. And that's all got to, it's created by God and it's got a good place, you know, in our lives. But what about faith? See, you can have all the logic you want because if you look at this, sometimes it's not logical, but it's true. May not make sense to me, but it's true. But with faith and with time and with asking God for wisdom, which he says in James chapter 4, I think, who asks, he gives freely. And if I ask, and then he will give me the wisdom to hear his word from this book. Let God be true and every man a liar. This is where my faith builds from, is knowing God by knowing this, by learning this. And there's something new every day. That's why this is called the living, breathing word of God. Because the same passage can give you a new meaning tomorrow that it had today. As you grow in him, as you grow in life, as you experience new things, the word speaks to you other things. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles in a strange land. Verse 14, for people who speak thus make it clear that they're seeking a homeland. We got our eyes set on today. We got our eyes set on what's happening to me, 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 and not on what God's doing here and there and yon. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. We want to be so kingdom-minded that we don't care about what we care, but we don't miss this body. We don't miss this flesh. We don't miss this job. We don't miss these Things that the world says is important. Because the world says a lot of stuff is important. And it's not. It's what we do for the kingdom that's important. It's how we relate to God that's important. It's how we surrender and live our lives in him. How we trust him. Trust is such a fleeting thing it seems like. You can trust something one minute and not the next. Especially if it's a human being. Anybody ever been lied to by somebody that they trust? It hurts, don't it? Ever been lied to by somebody you loved? Hurts more. You ever lied to somebody you love? The biggest pain I ever caused anybody in my life was lying, caused by lying. And I didn't know it till I heard her testimony when she talked about how I had lied. I want to talk about feeling like... Whew. Verse 16, but as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared them for a city. How many of us are afraid to live the godly life, the life of faith, because of what other people think? Well, if I go to church on Sunday and if I volunteer at the pantry or if I stand at the door and greet or if I volunteer in the nursery, if I get on the praise team and the praise team, everybody's looking at you. And what if I mess up and, you know, what if Bill's walking up here with his podium and he trips on the thing, which I'm afraid of, by the way. (coughs) Those steps are black. 
what are other people going to think if I do this? What are other people going to think about that? And then I remember the words of this old preacher that I knew, and he said, it's not about you, Bill. And so I wonder, who's it about? And I'll tell you the answer. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. Everything. This whole Old Testament points to Jesus. The whole New Testament is about Jesus. Our lives today are for Jesus. And if they're not for them, we can't have any faith. If we don't have any faith, we don't have any hope. And if we don't have any hope, what good are we? We have got to show the world the hope that we have in Jesus. We've got to have a faith so strong, we don't care what other people think about us. What other people think about me is none of my business. What Jesus thinks about me is. I don't care what my wife thinks about me. If I'm living and pleasing Jesus, then she's going to be pleased with me. If I'm living and pleasing Jesus, my children are going to respect and honor me. What if I'm living two lives? Christian on Sunday, living like the devil Monday through Saturday. That's, that's the message a lot of Christians are giving the world. And that's why we don't have, <clears throat> excuse me, have a lot of credibility with the world. We're not living our faith Monday through Saturday. I've done that. Been there, done that. Got the t-shirt. And I'm here to tell you, I'm not successful at living a life of faith every day. But I try. And when I mess up, I'll say, oops, Jesus, I messed that one up. A little help. We can start over a hundred times during the day. Because we're going to trip up a hundred times every day. We have a sinful nature. Maybe, maybe tomorrow I only trip up 99 times. That's improvement. 99 times is better than 100, right? But by faith is the only way I can please him. By seeking him diligently with my whole heart is the only way I can please him. By giving him everything is the only way I can please him. By trusting him totally is the only way I can please him. Coming up here and doing this doesn't necessarily please him. My obedience does. My faith in him that I can say these words to you from him, that pleases him. Just the fact that I have the ability to. No, we've all got abilities. We can all check the box. We can all write a check. We can all, you know, well, they can all play an instrument. But if it's not to the glory of God, and that's how we've got to look at our lives and what we're doing. If I'm teaching, if I'm volunteering, if I'm doing whatever, and I'm doing it to pat myself on the back, that is not pleasing to God. But if everything I do, if I go into it with the attitude, how is this going to glorify God? And if I can see how that glorifies God and I do that, Heaven be praised. God be praised. It's, it's glorifying him and not me. And I don't care if another soul on the planet knows that I had anything to do with it as long as God gets the glory. And when he gets the glory, it's better for all of us. <clears throat> By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac and who he had received the promise, promises was in the act of offering up his only son of whom it was said, of whom it was said, though Isaac shall your offspring be named through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Y'all remember that story? 
God told Abraham, said, take your, take your son, this son that was promised to him in his old age, take him up the mountain, haul a bunch of wood with you, sacrifice him to me, and offer him up as a burnt offering. Now, that's crazy. Who would take your child up and, and, and sacrifice him? Abraham trusted God. And he knew that through Isaac he was going to have all these stars in the sky, offspring and sands on the beach. And God says, sacrifice your child? This is hard stuff to figure out. Abraham didn't try to figure it out. He just trusted God. And we don't know how old Isaac was. We know he's probably older than five or six because he was able to help dad load up the wood and stuff to go up the mountain. And if you're five or six, you're old enough to know that that's a big knife and there's nothing else here to sacrifice. And what what am I doing here? And they still trusted God. How much do we trust God? We don't trust him to, to surrender our families to him. We don't trust him enough sometimes to surrender ourselves to him. We don't trust him enough to surrender a habit or, a, or an attitude or an anger or a resentment because we like to hold on to it. We like to just take it out every now and then and say, boy, I'm just so mad at him ever since he said this and did that. And one of these days, I ought to... When what God says is, surrender that to me, and I will make you whole. By faith, in verse 20, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of his sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. Like 200 years after Joseph is for. I can't remember the exact one. 200 or 400, Wayne? 400. Anyway, Joseph, he's dying. He, he sees the future. He sees the, the guy that's going to take the Israelites from slavery into the promised land. He sees that, so he tells his family. He said, here's what I want you to do with my bones. I want you to embalm me this way and hang on to them because when the deliverer comes, take me to the promised land. I want to be buried there. Trusting God with with everything, and never gets to see the promised land. Abraham never gets to see the promised land. We have seen the promised land. The promised land started with Jesus on the cross and when he came up out of that grave. That was the beginning. And our faith in him, our trust in him, not in what I can do, not in what what any other preacher can do, not in what your money can do, but your faith in Jesus as a risen Savior makes all. Everything possible. I can do all things through him. By faith, the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. That was 22. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called son of the Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Listen to this part. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. I had to look that up to make sure that the Christ word in there didn't mean Messiah. This is talking about the Jesus Christ that came, lived, died, and died on the cross and rose again. Moses was, God revealed the future to Moses. 
king said, we're going to kill all the firstborn of Egypt. He had a, he had a population crisis of the slaves who not too, too much far in the past were brought there by Joseph who rose from a slave to, to like Pharaoh's main man. The same Joseph whose bones were saved to take, to take with Moses to, the, to Egypt. Choosing rather to be mistreated. Who's afraid of being mistreated? With the people of God. You know the world treats us horribly. But you know what's worse than that? Sometimes we treat each other horribly. Why would we do that? No matter what it says on the sign of the churches, you know, and we'll talk about, you know, what this people do and what those people believe and how they're different than us. When, if you look at all the different churches in, in town and you look inside here, we, we're from all different backgrounds, and you read their beliefs, they believe Jesus, born of a virgin, died on the cross, and was raised from the dead for our sins. Outside of that, the differences don't matter. Don't matter. We are all the bride of Christ, and we should all treat each other the same. We should treat each other with love all the time. Is somebody going to make you mad? Sure. Love them through it. Love them through it. Where am I? He considered the reproach of Christ greater than wealth and the treasure of Egypt, and he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch him. By faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. I love that part. When my kids were teenagers, when my oldest daughter was dating her, husband they were at some youth thing and they were watching the prince of egypt i wasn't there but i heard it from one of the youth workers and there's apparently a part in there where moses holds the staff up and the sea parts and they're going through there and pharaoh's and when that sea parts they're going through on dry ground one of those kids in that room shouts that's my god it's my god that can part the sea it's my god that would send his only son it's my God who loves me no matter what. I got to have some faith in this God that can part this sea. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. Children just walk around the wall. On the seventh day, when I say it, say shout, and they shout. And the walls fall down where they can walk in and take over. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. 
They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with a sword. They went about in skins and sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, and of whom the world was not worthy. Wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. Anybody tried to cut you in half today? Anybody tried to string you up, kick you out of your house, make you run away? Now, we've got it so easy, and we've had it so easy for so long. We just run at the least the low thing. We're in a society that, that, that pushes safety. Be careful. Be safety. You know, our kids are in bubble wrap. You know, when they're playing outside, they have knee pads and elbow pads and helmets and I don't know what all. What they need is methylate. When you get a skin, they put that red stuff on. It stinks so bad you don't get hurt another time because the cure is worse than the, than the damage done. Being a Christian is not a safe thing to be in. And it's safer here than it is in other places, but it may not be for long if we don't stand up for our faith. It won't be long if we don't stand up for doing the right thing when the right thing is to be done. It won't be for long if we don't say the right thing when the right thing is to be said. And the right thing is that Jesus is Lord. And it's not about me, it's about Jesus. Y'all with me on that? Why am I having this trouble in my life? Why is this happening? Why is that happening? Where's your faith? How strong is your faith? Oh, but you don't understand, Bill. I've got, you know, I've got these bills and I've got this and my job doesn't pay but that. Trust God. Ask him what your part in it is. See, because we have a part in the kingdom work, don't we? If I don't have a job and I need a job, I can't just sit on my couch and God, give me a job paying $79,500 a year because that's what I need. To live in the lifestyle I'd like to become accustomed to. And then sit down and wait for God's answer. Maybe I should fill out an application somewhere. Do I have enough faith that God's going to say, hey, Dave, hire Bill. Dave says, who's Bill? Is that how God talks to you, Dave? No, we have to... Trust God, and when we're talking to him and trusting him, we have to ask him, what is, what is my part in this? And listen, what do you want me to do? Because our human nature is to either do nothing or think we can do everything ourselves. That's usually the two extremes we go to. I can fix it all by myself. I got myself into this mess. I can get myself out. Anybody done that? Every man in here probably has, and every wife will testify. Verse 1 of chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with the endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. This cloud of witnesses are not there to judge us. All these people we just talked about that were torn in two and tortured and all the things for the faith. They are there 
to encourage us. To show us that if you can do it, I can do it. If you can go through that, I can go through that. I will never forget. Oh, I'm overtime. Cool. Um, before I got sober in the church that we were in, every Sunday somebody would come up and receive uh, what we call freedom crosses. And every Sunday I'd say, I wish God would take this addiction from me. And every Sunday somebody else would go up until I surrendered it all. It never happened. And bless God, 16 years, I haven't needed to act in that. And that is what faith in God is. But faith in God comes from a total surrender first. Because he can't work with what you don't give him. Y'all with me on that? He can't work with what you won't hand over. And he's not going to take it from you. So let's pray as the praise band assumes the praise positions. Father, we just love you so much. We thank you for the examples of the faith of our fathers. And, and we pray that you would just open each of us, open our eyes and our hearts to, to, to seek your will and to seek what you want us to do for you in the kingdom. And that no matter what we do, that it all be to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.